0: Folks, we're sponsored today by Donors Trust, the tax-friendly way to preserve your charitable giving. In times of crisis, those with a giving spirit and a desire to build up civil society find ways to be helpful. And that's when it's good to have a charitable resource ready to deploy when they're needed most. Donors Trust offers donor-advised funds or giving accounts. You can use these funds as your own charitable investment account and manage your charitable giving in a way that's smart, tax advantaged, aligned with your values, and private. Dotus Trust clients are using their funds to support charities helping their local communities while also using their giving account That's donorstrust.org slash just news. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast where today we're going to have Speaker Newt Gingrich joining us for a really important discussion. He has been working on a very quiet project to find the issues in America that 60, 70, and 80% of Americans agree on not the wedge issues that are divide the country for 50 50 but the issues the language the aspirations the expectations of america that 60 70 80 90 percent of us are in favor of because it turns out we agree on a lot more than we disagree contrary to what democrats say for instance the vast majority of americans the vast majority agree on voter id they have no problem with a photo id for voting even though some people, like the president, call it Jim Grow 2.0 or something like that. So Newt Gingrich put together a project, it's ongoing, but it is digging into some of the most extraordinary issues of our time and coming up with the language and the sentiments and the nuances and the winning issues that Americans want our government, our political leaders to succeed on. And this, he hopes, will become the roadmap for a Republican coalition, a new Republican majority, a new contract with America, and a new way for conservatives to talk about their values and their policies and the things that actually really resonate with Americans. You're gonna wanna hear this interview. This is insightful, it's deep. We're gonna start putting this polling data out every day for the next few weeks and creating an enormous opportunity for all of us to understand and take advantage of this and debate and learn from this extraordinary data gathering and study of the american people what better way than take a look at our own selves in the mirror and see what we like what we can accomplish together democrat republican independent like Newt Gingrich is right there. This is going to be an extraordinary interview and you're not going to want to miss it. But before we get to that, I know you've been asking for weeks and months and actually for years, when is John Durham going to finally lay his eggs? And I have been saying I see enormous evidence of them building criminal cases using the grand jury. And last night, lawyers for a former Clinton campaign law firm lawyer, a guy named Sussman, Michael Sussman, a led cybersecurity expert, worked for the government, worked for the Justice Department. They announced through the New York Times that they expect their client to be indicted for an effort he made to bring dirt into the FBI in October 2016 on Trump, Russia dirt, that turned out to be totally bogus. This is a story I personally worked on. Anyone who's followed my reporting is gonna remember this. The old Alpha Bank Trump Tower ruse, because it really was a ruse. This was an effort by a couple of computer scientists in Sussman to take some data pings, some data logs from the internet and suggest that Vladimir Putin was secretly communicating with the Trump Tower during the election through a server at the Alpha Bank in Moscow. This was a favorite story of CNN and the New Yorker and many others who bantied this theory around, even though over and over and over and over again, I can't say over enough because at least eight times I interviewed the FBI people who worked on this and they said every time, John, it is not true. And still people like Pamela Brown at CNN and, and Franklin Ford at the New York New Yorker magazine and others continued into 18, even 19 saying that this was a hot lead. It wasn't. It was bogus a lot of people miss this. I didn't. I wrote about it, but most reporters missed it during the day of the Mueller investigation. The one time during the Mueller congressional hearings, and you remember those famous hearings where he seemed to be disjointed and out of sorts a little bit, he actually gave news Is he actually addressed something that wasn't in the report. Almost every time he's asked about something that wasn't in the report, he says, I'm sorry, it's not in the report, it's not in my scope, I'm not going to talk about it. But he went out of his way to say that the Alpha Bank story was not true, even though he didn't address it in his report. Well, now we know that uh, Michael Sussman, a lawyer at Perkins Cooey, the same Perkins Coie law firm that hired Christopher Steele for Hillary Clinton and the DNC. He's one of those lawyers. He walked in, this is all documented, not in doubt. He walked into the FBI to the general counsel at the time, a guy named James Baker a dossier sort of of these data pings saying, I think there's something here. Now, according to Baker's testimony, Baker said that when Sussman did this, he was bringing on his own accord and he wasn't representing a client. Then in some congressional testimony, Sussman gave a different story than Baker. He said that he was actually representing some computer security experts as a client when he brought this in. John Durham, according to the New York Times, according to the lawyers, have law firm records showing that when Michael Sussman worked on the Alpha Bank, Donald Trump stuff, he charged it to, not a a cybersecurity expert, he charged it to the Hillary Clinton campaign, suggesting the Alpha Bank was part of his Hillary Clinton campaign work. And so according to the Sussman lawyers in the New York Times, they expect the FBI to charge him with lying to the FBI. And not only lying to the FBI, they defend him saying, hey, we don't think he meant to lie. He didn't lie. We think he didn't give a false statement, but we expect him to be indicted. I'm sure a lot more will come into this story because I've done a lot of work on this story and even Christopher Seal, who got this information and put it into one of his dossiers or into one of the things he gave to the State Department to give to the FBI, it looked like this was a concerted effort that a university professor in Indiana, a computer scientist nicknamed Tea Leaves, Michael Sussman, Christopher Steele were all peddling this story in the late part of the 2016 election, trying to get something for the FBI to investigate. And they became frustrated when people like the FBI experts said, You know, there's nothing here or there. And let me tell you something that the FBI told me fall of 16 and again in 2017. There were no data in the pings. These were dataless pings, meaning they didn't include attachments or information or text. And they were most likely generated through some marketing email misaddresses, addresses things we'd be sending to the wrong address and it would ping a rejection notice. And that ping would go between the two. I know that Durham and others have looked to see whether those pings were manufactured. I don't know what the outcome is, but we do know that the FBI steadfastly, including Robert Mueller as the special counsel, rejected that this had anything nefarious, any secret communication, all The things that CNN and New Yorker and so many others foist upon the American public to try to make Donald Trump look like he was a stooge of the Russian government when he wasn't. We now know that there could become a criminal case out of that. Now, people are saying, well, what else? Well, we know one FBI lawyer has already pled guilty and been sentenced for falsifying a document that hid from the FISA court the fact that the target of the FISA. Carter Page wasn't a Russian stooge, but rather a CIA asset. Someone working for our government goes down. If Sussman gets charged, that will be a big deal. And I think the third place they're looking at is at the agents and the lawyers and the analysts who put the data together for the FISA, not just the Carter Page falsified document, but the larger narrative of information that goes to the FISA court and also to the select committees in Congress. And uh, that I think will be the areas, as I've said many times before, where if there are any criminal charges are gonna fall into those buckets. And I think other people, people like Comey and or former CIA director, John Brennan, their shame or their findings will come in the separate report that John Durham is going to make public. And so, yes, there has been activity, as I've said, I know it feels longer and later than it was supposed to be, but I promise you, that there has been real criminal investigative activity. And I think the fact that Sussman preemptively got ahead of the announcement saying, I'm about to be indicted, let everybody know, is proof that we're gonna see some more accountability in the near future. Part of the reason I'm confident that it's gonna happen soon is that a lot of the statutes of limitations, five years, or the normal federal felony statute, start expiring. You know, Remember, this all happened in September, October, in november of 2016 believe it or not that's five years ago it's, uh, it seems impossible well yes there is some accountability coming soon and it's one of those who should be held to account is the news media the shameless pandering of a story that was prima facie false and if you bothered to call the fbi you repeatedly got told it was false and yet these media players continued time and time and time again to put out a false story it is shameful Whether John Durham will shame the media, I don't know, but it will become clear just how concerted the effort to put these stories out there were. There was an effort to plant a Russia collusion story in the media and in the public, and John Durham is going to blow the whistle on it. I expect in the next few days, most likely, is is what could happen. That's what the New York Times and the lawyers were saying. All right, we're going to take that quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to switch topics from Durham and Russia Collusion to the former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, and his new project on the issues that Americans like and support. What an idea. Rather than force things down Americans' throats that they don't like, listen to them and have them tell us what is important to them. You're not going to want to miss this interview. Angie's List is now Angie, A-N-G-I, the nation's largest home services marketplace. And they're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project is, big or small, indoor or outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled professionals to get the job done Well, that's what you want, right? I'm uh, thinking about building out my basement in my cabin. I've been perusing Angie looking for just the right contractor to get it done the way my wife and I want it done. Now Angie can help you find the best price for your project. Angie lets you request and compare quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. Angie has cost guides that tell you what others have paid for similar projects, both nationally and right in your neighborhood. That's important, right? You can do comparative shopping. Get started today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today. The app and the website are free to use. Angie.com or the Angie app. Go check it out today. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very, very special guest, the former Speaker of the House, one of the most influential thinkers in the conservative movement, Newt Gingrich, is joining us. Speaker Gingrich, great to have you on.
1: Well, thank you. Listen, it's terrific to be with you, and I admire so much the work you've been doing, and how many stories you've broken, it's remarkable.
0: Yeah, it's therapy for me. If I didn't do stories, I'd be in trouble. (laughs) So thank you, thank you. You are doing something that I think may be one of the most momentous things to happen in politics right now. You've spent the last, several months in the next several months, uh, developing data on what are the 70, 60, 70, 80% winning issues in America and how conservatives should talk about them. Give us a little sense of what, why you did it first and and what you're finding.
1: Well, we were uh, helped uh, in part by Bernie Marcus. We set out in 2017 to find out, are there issues and topics where you could bring the American people together in such large numbers that you would break out of the kind of trench warfare we've been in since 2000. Uh, And we were very pleasantly surprised to discover that there are at least 16 issues that have 85% approval or more. And at that number, you can talk about an American majority, not a conservative, not a Republican, but literally the American people uh, with, with only a small left wing fringe. So we began working on that and, with Biden's election, the left went crazy. They totally misunderstood what had happened and decided this was their moment to go out and be who they really are, which for most Americans is pretty horrifying, frankly. Uh, <laughs> and the result, they took a series of steps that I think are unsustainable. We continued to do a lot of, of testing, and we discovered, partly with, with um, Larry Kudlow's help, uh, he came up with the term free market capitalism, and... um we then developed as a counterpoint big government socialism. And it turned out that if you, and this is part of what I'm trying to get across to conservatives and to Republicans, you need all six words, uh, capitalism versus socialism. Capitalism wins, but not by a decisive margin. But if it's free market capitalism versus big government socialism, it's a 59 to 16 issue. Wow. And that changes everything.
0: Oh, that's huge.
1: So, we felt that we had found something that had great potential. And then uh, if you look in August, we discovered that every single Democrat in the Senate had voted for Bernie Sanders, $3.5 trillion spending and $3 trillion tax increase bill. And then we discovered that um, in the house, the same thing happened. So every single Democrat voted for it, which means two things. One, you have an absolute vote in the congressional record, and we're going to try to make the congressional record very widely distributed so that they can't go home and say they're moderates. The truth is, there were no moderates in the Democratic Party in August. Every single Democrat in the House, every single Democrat in the Senate voted for a Bernie Sanders bill, and I emphasize that because, you know, Bernie, to his credit, has been an honest, open socialist yes. his entire life. Yeah. So, yeah. So to say that a bill that Bernie Sanders sponsored is socialist doesn't offend him. Uh, and as he's pointed out, uh, in his mind, he's already compromised because he originally wanted a $6 trillion bill, <laughs> and the $3.5 trillion was sort of the smaller version. Yeah, of that, was, that was Bernie light. That's right. Yeah, Bernie wanted gigantic government socialism, but he thought he'd get, try to get away with big government socialism in <laughs> phase one. Um, so we believe that if the Republicans and the conservatives – can learn to drive home that this is big government socialism, that it is a massive tax increase. Uh, Scott Rasmussen just had a poll out this morning. Yeah. 76% of the American people already think their taxes are too high. Well, I I don't understand. I mean, I know that they are a political aristocracy, and I know that they're isolated from the rest of us, but I don't understand how the Democrats could pass a multi-trillion dollar tax increase in a country where people already, three out of every four Americans, already believe that their taxes are too high. Yeah. And I, I just think I think we're going to see in the next few months uh, one of the most extraordinary clarifying moments in American history, where you're going to have uh, a huge spending union payoff, highly inefficient, and, and at the margins certainly corrupt, big government socialist party, uh, which has taken over the Democrats. Uh, there, there are no Democrats left in the Thomas Jefferson sense. And so next year will be the first election in which you really do have basically a big government socialist party on one side uh, and a party of, of free market capitalism on the other. And I think the results could be truly spectacular.
0: Yeah, the polling data that you've done with John McLaughlin, is just jaw-dropping when you see what they're all done through the American Majority Project. I want to walk through some of those 70% issues because it seems as though Biden is stepping in the mousetrap on every single one of them when you look at this data on defunding the police.
1: Well, well we, we found that there's overwhelming support for the police uh, and that people deeply do not want to defund the police. And that's gotten stronger as you've gone through this dramatic rise in murder rates in most of our big cities. I mean, and part of the problem there is you have these liberal or radical, I think would be a better word, uh, radical district attorneys who've announced publicly they're not going to try people. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and, uh, in places like San Francisco and St. Louis and Chicago, you now have a revolving door where the police wonder, why would you pick somebody up? if they're not even going to be held.
0: That's right. They're going to come right back out the other door in 20 minutes.
1: Right. And so I think there's been a drift. People begin to move back to that they don't want to be frightened. They don't have to worry about their neighborhood. They don't want somebody who thinks they can get away with breaking in and robbing them. Uh, and so I do think you're seeing a shift back towards a real desire to be with, side with the police against the criminals. And and that uh, puts the Democrats in a very significant uh, disadvantage because their activist radical wing is so deeply hostile to the police.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. We've got the CRT thing sweeping across America and a tremendous revolt at the grassroots level at school boards. 66% in the poll said it's time to overhaul our school system, which, by the way, the Democrats are doubling down on, and only 34% thought it was doing well and that and, and this problems in the school were isolated. Education seems like a winner, doesn't it?
1: look, I think that first of all, let me just say on, on the race issue, we tested whether or not you agree with Reverend Martin Luther King Jr.'s assertion that he cared about the content of their character more than the color of their skin. Yep. That's a 91 to 5. Wow. I mean, 91% of American people agree that we ought to be measuring the content of your character, not the color of your skin. And yep. yet the left just can't help itself. I mean, it's it's often this very divisive tribalism where they, they want to divide all of us up into subgroups. Yeah. Uh, second, second, you have, uh, I think, a really dramatic change in the schools. You know, when people learn that in the Baltimore City schools, there are five school buildings in which not a single student could pass the state exam, not one. People wonder. First of all, why are we paying these teachers? I mean, the teachers' union has gotten the Baltimore City Schools to be one of the most expensive systems in the country, right. and they don't work. It, it, you know, the, the kids aren't learning, which is a disaster for them and a disaster for America.
0: Yeah it's unbelievable. Uh, This is another one that just uh, we keep hearing the Democrats almost daily saying racism is a systemic problem and you can't succeed because of the systemic problem and in your poll 67% of people believe that anyone can succeed in the current American system and only 33% saw racism as a systemic problem so they're arguing uh, this argument they're making with CRT flies in the face of what the American public sees correct?
1: Right, and I think you look around and you start seeing very successful African-Americans, very successful Asian-Americans, very successful Latino-Americans, and you start saying, you know, what what are these left-wing radicals talking about? What country are they describing? Uh, So somebody had a great line the other day. They said, uh, you can measure a country by how how many people are lining up to get in and how many people are lining up to get out. And despite everything the radical left says, says, America seems to be a pretty darn attractive place for an awful lot of people.
0: It sure is, in fact, I think overwhelmingly, maybe it was 90%, 89%, 90% America's the greatest country ever ever found it, It really tells you that the America brand is good with Americans, it's just bad with Democrats, right? Democrats are, are impugning a brand that most of America really, really likes. I want to get the Biden inflation for a second. This incredible moment of spiking inflation, uh, you know, we're being assured it's transitory. It doesn't look like it's transitory. It's been six or seven months in the making now. There was a fascinating thing that people see more spending as driving up prices. Americans see the connection, don't they, between more government spending and inflation, don't they?
1: They do, and, and I think what's important here is that we see clearly rising inflation, uh, we keep getting told happy talk by the Biden team uh, that it's temporary, et cetera, but it's not temporary. When prices go up, they don't go back down; they, they stay up. Now, question is, are they going to go even higher? And my my personal guess is, yeah, they're going to go higher. If you look, if you look at what's happening to energy in Europe, where, by the way, the Russian pipeline is under delivering natural gas, right, uh, and where the uh, wind tunnels are, the uh, wind turbines are not working because of weather. Uh, They have a real crisis in how much they're charging for electricity and for natural gas. And I think Europe is going to face just a huge crisis this winter because they have so badly reorganized things. And then you have Biden, who is willing to kill the American pipeline while approving the Russian pipeline. And you just have to ask, are these people crazy? I mean, these are not things you can explain in any normal political framework.
0: Yeah, exactly. And other Americans are keen to it, too. I mean, they're, I think sometimes the Democrats think they're slipping one under the rug, but they're not. People are picking up on everything that's here. Now, there's clear pointers in the extraordinary data that you've put together, particularly in, in the language that we should use. So if if we're if conservatives there, you should be talking about free market capitalism versus big government socialism. That's, that's a winning message that, that could really define the next election. Yeah, and,
1: and, and that's going to be such a big issue for the next few weeks. This is a moment to drive it home and to make sure that everyone understands that not a single one of the Democrats coming back home from Washington can claim to be a moderate. When it mattered, every single one of them voted for Bernie Sanders' big government socialism. And I think that's got to be defined and driven home until it becomes the brand of the new Democratic Party, which is a Bernie Sanders big government socialist party.
0: It will, and it needs to be. It needs to be as disciplined as that amazing contract with America that you created in 1994, and everybody knew what the choice was when when they went to the polls in that 94 election. I want to turn to one that I'm always personally interested in because I think conservatives and Republicans make a mistake on this. They, you know, Ronald Reagan was one of the great conservationists in America, as was Teddy Roosevelt. Republicans have a long history of conservation, environmental care, and yet for the last ten years they've been seeding the ground to climate change debate, where the Democrats portray themselves as the environmentalists. But you found something fascinating. Americans really support clean air, water and conservation, 57 percent. But when choosing between that and climate change, they're far less concerned about climate change. Only 42 percent was worried about combat climate change. They think the real environmental opportunity is clean air, water and conservation. Do the Republicans need to get an environmental message that works in the 21st century?
1: Well, absolutely. When you when you see, for example, the scale of the California uh, wildfires, and you see the scale of the California drought, you begin to realize that managing the world we live in and and maintaining it is a big deal. And the the truth is, in terms of carbon loading in the atmosphere, the California wildfires uh, are a major problem. Of course, they're a major problem for wildlife. They're a major problem for homes. Uh, And I I think we don't have uh, the kind of approach. I've taught environmental studies. I was active in the second Earth Day. I I believe in the Theodore Roosevelt tradition, that in the Gifford Pinchot tradition, that Republicans ought to be genuine conservatives, which also means conserving nature. I want to make sure that mountain gorillas survive. I want to make sure that polar bears survive. And that doesn't mean you have to be stupid or mawkish. But I do think that there's real grounds for trying to make sure that uh, we are, we're good stewards. I mean, that should be part of what conservatism is all about, yeah. is being a good steward of the planet that we've inherited. And uh, I, I think that uh, sometimes Republicans walk off and give up, the and it's partly moral, and it's partly quality of life. People have an instinctive belief that they would rather live in a world where they have these kind of opportunities.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt. And uh, balancing them are so important, and I think There's a real pointer in the data here. Uh, In the last few minutes we have, I want to ask you, you've always been someone who's been able to get the entire party to or in one direction, to move in a direction, to get behind something. These are incredible linguistic and political pointers. Right? Maybe some of the most keen data that the Republican Party and conservatives have had in, in over a quarter century. How do we take the data that you've now put out there? What do conservatives need to do to come up with a game plan that makes us, you know, that makes the conservative movement talk and walk and, and execute in a way that's in line with these 60, 70, 80 percent issues that you've now identified?
1: Well, I hope everybody who's listening to us, first of all, we use the language themselves. And second, we'll go to their congressman, their senator, their staffs, their campaigns, and, and remind them that they should be using this, that, that it works, and that it's uh, it's potentially very powerful.
0: Yeah, that's, that's got to be the key, just getting the word out and getting people yeah, to repeat I, yeah, the terms.
1: Look, I, I think back when we did, when I worked with Reagan in the late 70s, early 80s, and then again, when we did the contract with America, I believe you move the country by osmosis. Yep. You just keep talking about it and talking about it and Gradually, everybody picks it up. It's not that you have discipline. You just have persistence. Yeah. And if you have a winning message, uh, people are smart. They'll eventually figure that out.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And that's, uh, it's been proven time and again. Was there anything in this polling data that you did, which is really a remarkable body of work, is there anything in here that surprised you? A warning sign that there's conservatives talk this way and I never thought it was problematic, but it shows up in the data. We should be more careful. Anything catch you by surprise?
1: I, I wouldn't say by surprise. I mean, I think you put your finger on part of it, which is people want solutions. They don't just want an anti-Biden campaign. In fact, they rejected an anti-Biden.
0: Campaign. That's right.
1: People know that the country's in trouble. They know that we got to think through a bunch of things. Uh, and they want to have a party that is sophisticated enough to actually be out here uh, delivering a better future, not just beating up the other side. People are very tired of just sort of politics as usual. It kind of drives them crazy.
0: Yeah, it seems like Glenn Youngkin, the the guy running for Virginia governor, has adapted that idea. He's you know he, there's plenty of opportunity to go negative on Terry McAuliffe, but he has stayed. Very positive and solution-oriented. Could Virginia be a bellwether for Republicans in the 2020 election oh, I, to watch what I think happens? So.
1: And I, look, it's already clear that it's
0: a very close race.
1: Right. And I think that's in part because uh, Youngkin has been a very positive person. And he's been out there saying things that people, I think, want to hear and talking about education and talking about jobs, and talking you know, crime and safety. And I think that uh, there's a message there for Republicans. You know, people are tired of just having politics as usual. They know the country's got real problems, and uh, they really want to see what you're going to do to make it better, not just what you're going to do to beat up your opponent.
0: Well, you led the way and you, I think created one of the greatest models in American political history, certainly modern political history with the contract with America. Everybody every two years says we're going to have another contract. But in this polling data, there seems to be the roadmap of a positive on offense agenda for the majority of Americans. Does this translate in its in next step to 10 or 12 or 14 yeah. policy principles?
1: Yeah, I think it does. I think it's the beginning of understanding what we can do. And I think that uh, if, if people pay attention to it, that we will not only win, but we'll have a blueprint for governing, not just a blueprint for campaigning.
0: Such an important point. Mr. Speaker, I could talk to you all day long. I always enjoy your work and your wisdom and your historical perspective and, and uh, your political well, you're, acumen. You're,
1: listen, you're doing great work breaking news stories every single morning. Your email is one of the first things I look at in the morning. And I'm always amazed at how much you've uncovered and how much ahead of the curve you
0: are. I'd like to say I'm good, but there's just no, no one else doing it. So I'm lucky. <laughs> it's wide <laughs> <That's> open. <right. laughs> well, sir, you are absolutely an amazing uh, interview every time. I always come away learning something. And I thank you so much for the time today.
1: Thanks. Take
0: care. You too. Folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll come back and wrap things up in just a few seconds. Uh, Another great conversation, a big thanks to Speaker Gingrich for his insights, for sharing his polling data, for enlightening us all. I think this is an exciting project. Listen, if you're a Democrat, an Independent, or a Republican, what Newt Gingrich has done is very important. It is a roadmap to the winning issues in America, the things that... Large supermajorities, 60, 70, 80% of Americans support, not the fringe minorities or the fringe pluralities or the divided country issues, you know, what I call the wedge issues. Newt Gingrich identified them for you. And if you remember nothing else, one of the big headlines that uh, Newt Gingrich uh, saw in this data is that the debate in America is that Americans support free market capitalism. And they reject, resoundingly, big government socialism. Yay to free market capitalism. Nay to big government socialism. That is one of the most important findings in the poll. If you remember nothing else from an incredible conversation with the speaker, that is clearly it. All right, we're going to wrap things up. We'll have another great show tomorrow. I think we'll delve back into Afghanistan and General Milley. I think there's some more revelations to be had there, don't you? Until then. May God bless you and may God bless this extraordinary country, the United States of America, as he always has. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Hey, folks, have you heard of cancer fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day.